A couple of months ago, uh, I met with a pastor friend of mine. His name is Dave, Dave Clayton. And uh, Dave is one of these guys that, uh, that you know right off, like, this is a good guy. And uh, Dave uh, and some friends, when they were in college, started a church here in Nashville called Ethos Church. And Ethos Church is this, uh, this, uh, this weird kind of amalgamation of a church. It's weird that it comes out of uh, uh, their Lipscomb University students. So it's especially strange that it comes out of this place, but Ethos Church has, uh, over the years, uh, I don't know how many years it's been around, maybe five or six years, um, has grown to thousands and thousands. Um, they meet in usually downtown Nashville. They don't own any property. Um, they don't have a building. They don't, not really interested in all that. So on, uh, on Sunday mornings, when all the bars are empty, they'll go and meet there. And they have people come from all over, largely college students. They train something like 50 church planners a year and are doing an incredible ministry in, in Nashville in really unexpected ways and unexpected places. And they give a tremendous amount of uh, what, their, uh, what their, their group tithes straight back into the community, straight to charities. And uh, so I was spending time with Dave and I'm like, Dave, you're, you're not a good guy at all. I think he's about, he started this church when I think he was about 19, something like that. Just incredible. And I was talking to him about how could our, how could our churches do stuff together? Because I was so excited about their ministry. We even took our, the leadership from, from Aspen Grove and went to one of their services and, and just got to experience a little bit of what they were about and um, was, was just really blown away. And so I'm, I'm having lunch with Dave and I said, well, man, how can, how can we get together? How can we do something together? And um, he said, well, you know, coming up, the, the Sunday after Easter, we're canceling all our services. And I said, well, that's a unique approach. <laughs> and he said, well, what we're doing is uh, we've decided that, that once a year, we want to we wanna push our people out of the building. And uh, I said, well, you don't even own a building. He said, well, I know, I know. But we want our folks, all of them, to serve. We, we want our, our people to, the, the language he used is to literally, he said, we're, we're sending all of our folks we're, to leave the building in order to bless the city. And I said, uh, I've never done anything like this before. Um, normally they pay me to be there on Sundays. And uh, he said, do it with us. And I said, all right. And uh, I presented the idea to the leadership of Aspen Grove and uh, uh, the awesome faithful leaders that, that you guys have, the trustworthy guys that, you, that, that we have at this church said, we don't know anything about this, but let's do it. And uh, so last Sunday, uh, we, uh, we set out on a mission with Ethos Church and uh, actually uh, the, the Harpeth Hills Church of Christ also and uh, we canceled all of our services and our normal classes and all that kind of stuff. And we sent everyone out to simply bless the city. I want to start a, just a loop of some of the pictures from that day. Uh, Ethos had, had hundreds of options to, of different ways to serve. Their, their church built playgrounds and they provided a, uh, they did a huge uh, resurrection feast type meal at the Nashville Rescue Mission that we work at sometimes. This is how big it was. They needed 800 volunteers. 
And so uh, we said, well, uh, we're going to do this too. And so we began to call all over Franklin. And uh, Ethos doesn't have much presence here in Franklin. I said, man, let's serve in Franklin. We'll, we'll do some stuff. And so we began to call friends at, uh, at some of the different ministries uh, around our area. Uh, we began to talk with GraceWorks Ministries. And all of these different things began to pop up and show up. And so last Sunday... The week after uh, the, the largest attendance that Aspen Grove Christian Church has ever had, we canceled services. <laughs> after celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter, the very next week, uh, we did something completely new and different. And we sent all of our folks out to, to leave the building to bless the city. And we created a list of here's some ways that you can serve. We GraceWorks sent us a list of, uh, of names. It, it was this, we had this unique thing happen. So we called all these service organizations and said, hey, how can we serve? And they said, it's Sunday, we're closed, um, which is interesting. Requires some more planning in the future. But they said, here's some, here's some things you can do. And so we got a list of all of the shut-ins that GraceWorks works with. And we began to compile a, a, another idea that came out was, well, let's just make lunches for people who are hungry and let's pack some lunches. And so our crew got together and we packed and handed out over 100 lunches, just our church, just our folks alone. Uh, we had people go to assisted care facilities. We had people do, volunteering to do child care for uh, uh, for teen moms so they could have a special retreat weekend. We had some people that partnered with some of the ethos ideas. We had people spread out all over the city. We even, uh, we created a time here at the building if people wanted to come and pray. And Well, what do we do if someone shows up? And, and uh, we had a lot of people just call in and say, I'm not coming. I'm not sleeping in, but I'm not coming. We know what we're doing. We're going out to serve. And um, the response was incredible. Literally all day long, my phone was just blowing up. My email, my inbox was just full of responses from you who had gone out and served. And so what I want to do is just, uh, and I've prepped you for this, so be brave, be courageous. Uh, we've got a mic up here, and uh, I asked for your stories, and I have an inbox full of stories, but I want you to, you to hear some of these stories firsthand. And so if you served, if you had an experience of serving, we're just going to create a space right now. And uh, I know this is scary. You can do it. Um, but I'm just going to invite you to come up to the microphone. And I just want you to share a little bit like Adele shared. Not, you don't have to be quite as long as Adele. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but just a couple of minutes of what was your experience and what did you do and how did you fail and how did you win? So I just want, to, I want you to hear from, uh, from your fellow uh, family here about uh, what you did and where you served. And so I'm going to invite you to go ahead and come up, and you can just line up up here. And if you don't come up, I will call you by name. You know I will. Don't think I won't do it. Um, so I just invite a couple of you to come up here and share with us. I, know, I see the herring sitting there. They're fighting it. <laughs> so Peggy and Lee, and so as you all go ahead and just stand up behind them, Let's just share for a few minutes uh, some of the experiences, and then we'll, uh, we'll decompress right after. Adam, I thought I would share with you our experience. Like everyone else, we were worried about finding people to bless. It took about five minutes. Guess where we found them? Right where they are every day on my way to work and back. All of them were appreciative and expressed that the blessing came just when they needed it. 
Now it would be harder for me to just drive by and ignore them. If this attempt to serve has that effect on just a few other people in our church, it's time well spent. Thanks. Uh, the Hammond family participated in several ways here. We, uh, we, were, we took one of the names of the shut-ins um, and went and visited her. We, we bought her some food and flowers on the way over. and It was a 77-year-old African-American woman named Jessie. She met us with hugs all around. She shared with us a little about her family and her activities. We prayed over her, her family, and a minister friend of hers who was, who was fighting cancer. She again hugged us as we exited, and we hope to try and check in on her on occasion just to see, make sure her well-being is, is going okay, that she's quite incredibly active. It was an amazing visit. We also took several of the uh, bag lunches that you guys made and delivered them uh, to a grandmother friend of one of my guitar students. Um, and she was very grateful, but she declined the water. She said she just didn't really need the water that we gave her, so she just took the lunches. Um, so God's spirit changes your life and your outlook, and your outlook gets better um, as you focus on kingdom work, and that's what happened to us that day. Things just looked a lot better. Carol uh, Smith and Donna Cummings and I had decided that um, we wanted to go the route of visiting a shut-in or someone who was elderly and um, needed some social interaction. And so we, when I went to Bob Brown for a name, I was absolutely shocked when I found out she lives, actually lives in my condo cottage neighborhood. And I had met her daughter, who is uh, somewhat challenged, um, on a different occasion. And uh, so, you know, what run, ran through our minds was, surely, they, you know, there isn't a need here. They live right within our community. But, you know, loneliness is not a geographic thing. And we were very, we just had a fabulous visit with Ming Yang, who is a 94-year-old young um, special person who has been trained classically uh, in the, uh, to play the piano. Grace Works actually provided these names, so we knew they were very legitimate. Um, these two ladies, the, the mother and the daughter, were so hungry for touch and attention. We stayed a good while, and every time we got ready to leave, they would find something else to show us of, of their treasures just to keep us there. We ended up staying about 30 minutes longer after we had initially decided to leave. They were absolutely delightful people. We took a plant and some special cookies and lunch for them. And um, while we were there, Mignong wanted to give us a little mini concert and we really didn't know what to expect. But I'm telling you all, she played like a 20 year old at Carnegie Hall. She played the most beautiful music and could play anything and then before she finished she said well since you all are from church I think you should hear amazing grace and how great thou art and she brought the house down um, we are going to to have them to my place for coffee and crumpets in the next couple of weeks we're going to make this an ongoing thing uh, and build a real friendship out of it um, One takeaway was how shy, 
and in shock to us was how sweet, loving, and talented ladies like this really have no friends that come to visit them nor friends that they go to visit. But being 94 years old, Ming Yang's friends have all passed away. She loved talking about her friends and showed us many, many pictures. But you just stop and think when you reach that age sometimes, your closest friends and family have all passed away. And um, we walked away with a desire to continue this friendship with these sweet ladies to make sure that they don't live without visit from friends and have a place to go visit anytime with us. And um, just like Adele said, the real blessing came to us because they were absolutely delighted, made us feel so welcome, and we're excited to build a friendship and go back to see them again. The Herrings met here and we put um, lunches together and then the four of us, which, you know, we have two small children, so it makes logistics a little difficult. We decided to head out and um, just hand food to the people we saw selling the contributor. And I thought, well, we're in Franklin. We'll start there. I know some popular corners where we can, you know, hand out our lunch and say, God bless you. And we hit one up here at Mallory and McEwen and very nice, very surprised. Everyone is, was so surprised that we were just giving them something for free. We, we gave back the newspaper. We don't need the newspaper. You can sell that. Um, about the second or third one, the kids decided they were going to be the ones to hand out the food and the water out the window. And if you understand log the logistics of car seats and the windows that only open this far, that was a challenge. But they were determined. They were going to serve. They were going to help with this. They said, God bless you. Um, it was really amazing to see the way that they picked up on what we were doing. Um, we drove around Franklin for a while and couldn't find enough people, which was an interesting problem I didn't really expect to find. Um, so I thought, gosh, we have all these lunches. I have this huge box on my lap. What are we going to do with all this? So we headed up north to Harding Place. And right when we got off the interstate, we found someone... Um, begging for money and food. Again, totally surprised that we're actually giving them something. And um, we headed to the intersection of Harding and Nolensville, found someone selling the contributor, gave um, that gentleman something, and he said, I have two friends over here. Can you please go give some, if you have more, can you give some to them? So we turned around at the intersection, and the men, we couldn't see them. By the time we got around, they were living in the bushes there. Um, and then we had one more left. We saw one lady. We were turning around to give it to her, and then we saw another lady. Like, oh, we only have one left. What do we do? We were, now we've run out when all I thought was we're never going to run out, and we've run out so quickly. Um, some very difficult questions to answer from the children while we're doing that. And uh, just the blessing that the people were so, they were so grateful and so thankful for just a paper bag lunch. So doesn't take much. Last Sunday, Phyllis and myself left here with five lunches and heading out, and uh, we actually headed out on Nolensville Road and then on to Murfreesboro Road, and uh, 
the blessings that we got, our first one was very similar to one that we heard just now. We gave one gentleman a lunch, and first thing he said, I've got a friend over on the bridge. Can, can I please have one more? And I mean, just the thankfulness he had right there was just absolutely unreal. Uh, I've been so touched just thinking about last week, Phyllis, we spotted a little young lady sitting by the fence at the fairgrounds. You could just tell she's having a tough run. Uh, I said, Phyllis, you need to go do this one without me. She walked over there with her, and just the look on that young lady's face, I mean, I hadn't been able to get out of my mind all week. I mean, just amazing, really. But probably the blessing of all we had, I told Dave a while ago, uh, uh, it's bad to say this, preacher, but I had the best sermon last Sunday. I learned more out last Sunday on Henpeck Lane than I've ever learned in the church. And I, I mentioned to Dave a while ago, I might not need to come back, but <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I've, gentlemen, we visited there who 80 years old, he and his wife, uh, just delightful folks. He lost his sight 14 years ago, folks, by, by a nurse's mistake. No bitterness. Everything that gentleman had to say was positive. Everything was good. Everything was great. You don't think you can't walk out of that house and feel like you've been blessed and what a sorry thing that maybe I am. I just, I realized, you know, how great this is. Uh, it, it's, it's what we come to church to do. Sometimes we forget it. John and uh, Nathaniel and I, we, we headed down to the uh, Nashville Rescue Mission early last Sunday. And if you're not familiar with that organization, I'll just quickly read their mission statement. Nashville Rescue Mission is a Christ-centered community dedicated to helping the hungry, homeless, and hurting. We strive to restore hope and transform lives by offering programs that focus on spiritual growth, education, employment, and uh, life recovery. The morning started out um, basically in an empty parking lot, and then as hundreds of people, as Adam mentioned, descended from uh, our church and from Harpeth Hills and Ethos, uh, we started setting up tables and chairs, and uh, there was a, a crew that started uh, firing up the grills and cooking hundreds and hundreds of hot dogs and hamburgers uh, for the eventual feast that we intended to have. Uh, they have a chapel service uh, probably daily down there, but they had a Sunday morning chapel service. Uh, somebody you're familiar with, uh, Josh Stutzman, had the opportunity to preach uh, that, that morning. And uh, so that was really a blessing to get to hear Josh again and reconnect with him as he's uh, still looking for a full-time ministry. Uh, but then after that, the men uh, poured out of the chapel service and started going through the line and uh, getting their food and drinks and finding a table to sit at. And, you know, after a while, after, I don't know, probably 30 minutes, I thought, well, it's about to die down. And now they just kept coming and kept coming. Uh, found out later they were probably, the word had spread, and even men from uh, the uh, Room in the Inn program a block away, they started coming over. But uh, for us, one of the nice things uh, that God 
uh, gave us that experience was just to sit and eat a meal with those who literally don't have anything but maybe the, the clothes on their back. Uh, one thing when you serve that population you find is that they're very grateful uh, just for anything. And as you sit, try to bring up conversations, you quickly realize that some of these men are just uh, lonely. Uh, they don't know how to talk almost to another person, but then there's others who uh, will open up. And uh, one of the interesting things is we sat around a table with some of these men. There was a, a group that came over from Room in the Inn, and they seemed to have kind of known each other a little bit, and uh, we were just kind of introducing and where everybody was from, and one fellow was from Wyoming, uh, one fellow was from Chicago, but one of the men was actually, I guess, from right here in Nashville or maybe even Bellevue, and just through discussions found out that uh, Janya uh, went to high school with one of this fellow's cousins, I think it was. So it kind of hits cl close to home uh, when you see that there are people that are hurting, they're homeless, uh, but this fellow was really trying. I mean, he was looking for work, and uh, he was a bricklayer by trade, but just obviously had an event in his life that got him out on the streets, and he had no hope other than the fact that he knew that he was going to continue to look for work and that uh, he would eventually find a job where he could support himself. So uh, the National Rescue Mission, although those men probably would have got fed that day, you know, the whole point was for the community of Christ to go out and actually share a meal. You know, it's been said that uh, Jesus ate his way through the gospel. So that was kind of the beauty of what we were able to do that day is just not only feed somebody, but sit down and share our lives and let them share their lives with us because they all have a, uh, a story to tell. So uh, it was really a blessing to our family. Hey guys. Um, so last week before I left, Adam told me that my safety was the number two priority. And while, <laughs> and while I understand, because that's the way Adam is, I understand what he was saying. While I was heading down to where I went, I just kept repeating that in my head that my safety, my own personal ideas about what was going to happen, that was my number two priority and what I was going to experience that day. That was what was most important. Um, I headed to the park behind my school. Um, my school is in the government-funded housing part of East Nashville, and a lot of the times before school, um, there are people hanging out in that park before the kids arrive. Um, and I will admit I was very nervous being a young white girl hanging, um, going alone into downtown Nashville. That was kind of scary. Um, but I went to that park and I saw a group of three guys and they were um, sitting at one of the picnic tables and I had four lunches with me. So I just picked up all the lunches and I just walked right up to that table and asked them if they would like to have lunch with me. And so I, we handed out the lunches and we were sitting there and just talking about their lives and just really getting to know them. And the coolest part about it is that whole time when I was headed up there, I was, I was nervous about going up there alone, but as soon as I sat down and started talking to them, I wasn't nervous anymore, and that was 
a very awesome feeling. And before I got up and left, one of the guys stood up and he gave me a kiss. And it, it startled me, for sure. But, but after really thinking about it, it was just such an awesome and powerful way to end that moment. And that's something that I will never forget. How about a round of applause for all these people? Who, uh, they were courageous enough to get up here and share their stories and throw their preacher under the bus left and right. Uh, I just want to take a few moments and, and, and give you a few takeaways from, from this. Um, the first is before you, you think us more saintly than we are, the, the reality of, of last Sunday for, for a lot of us is that it was really hard. Is that it was hard. Um, have you ever um, been in a situation with, uh, uh, maybe with your spouse, I know this never happened, um, where you and your spouse have been fighting or arguing or griping or complaining, and you know you're just kind of in that contentious moment, but you've got to put all that on hold because now you just got to church or you just got to your appointment or you just got to where, you know what I'm saying? And, and you walk in and everyone's like, they, can, they don't know what has happened, but they can tell there's something, there's, like, there's just some awkward tension happening here and you don't know why and you're trying to put on a good face but you can see it that's a lot of what last Sunday felt like honestly because behind the scenes I know that what we were doing made people feel uncomfortable I know what we were doing made people feel feel some people feel awkward and and it, it created this kind of nervous irritability and 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 kind of kind of tension. Did any, anyone else kind of pick up on this? Um, and, and when that kind of tension exists, it, it's easy for it to kind of roll over into this kind of griping of, well, I don't know why we're doing this anyway. Right? Um, if they're hungry, that's because they made bad choices. They should just make better choices. Right? You know what I'm saying? And you, you get into this place and and you start venting all of this just just in any way any way you can it, it just it begins it begins to come out of you you know they should have made better choices and this is a dumb idea anyway and then it, it turned some of that turned to me on Sunday which was really exciting and people began to look at me with this this kind of pleading almost begging look like like Adam can you please just give us a sermon I'll download all your sermons. Just can um, I'll, I'll read my Bible. Can we just well, can, or or people can, can can you just give me a job to do? Is there something at the church that needs to be fixed? I'll cut the grass. I'll wash the windows. Give me give me anything else but this. Um, I'll read my Bible a thousand times. Just don't make me do what it says. And um, anyone else see this happening? Anyone else feel this tension? Was I the only one? Okay, fine. Don't admit it. And the reality is that that serving others, that blessing others, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally, and and it draws out it draws out fears in us. Um, and so one of the things that, that I encourage you as, you as you continue to kind of decompress this event is to try to name that fear. Name that fear. 
what are you afraid of? I ran across, across this quote this past week. It says that, uh, why are Christians the ones most afraid of having a conversation about God? Why are, why are good church-going attenders most intimidated by the idea of serving someone they don't know? And maybe that fear is, is just the loss of control. Maybe that, that fear is our personal safety. Maybe that, that fear is just, just a focus on, on self. You know, the reason maybe we insulate ourselves from the needs of others around us um, you know, maybe it's just because we're just not aware of, of the needs around us. Maybe we're, we're just, or, or maybe we're just so focused on our stuff and our calendar and our, and when somebody hands me a sack lunch and says, go feed someone, we say, well, who? Maybe the issue is that old self that we were supposed to crucify and kill. You remember these words from Jesus keeps getting in the way. We choose a lifeless corpse over the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I challenge you as you think about and move through these moments and name that fear when you start to feel that and when you and your husband start driving back and forth, um, um, to name that fear. Name it. What, is it. what is it that's making me feel so uncomfortable the next the lesson maybe is to change our lenses. As you get older, uh, uh, those of you that wear glasses, you know that that prescription doesn't stay the same, right? After after a while, you're not even it worked for a little while, but after a while, there'll come a time where you've got to change. You've got to change for for things to come in clearly for you to be able to see clearly. You've got to change your lenses. You've got to change your prescriptions. I love the the questions. Uh, that, that some of the kids asked. These are lens-changing kind of questions of, do these men live in the bushes, and how come they don't have any teeth? These are the kind of questions that change our lenses. Um, it's the kind of questions that, uh, in Matthew 25, as Jesus talks about the day of separation, the people who will be on the right and the left, he talks about uh, the, the people who feed the hungry and the sick and are, are visit those in prison and these kind of things. And they remember how the people respond. Remember the question they ask? When did we ever see you hungry or sick or thirsty or in need, right? When did we ever see? So maybe we need to change our lenses. Finally, the last uh, couple more, I'm sorry, a couple more thoughts just as we decompress. I'm trying to go quickly is to just leave the clubhouse um, I recently heard a minister tell his congregation that I don't want you to spend more than one hour a week at the church. Isn't that a change? Uh, I, I talked about last week just briefly about growing up. I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning. I was drugged to church Sunday night. I was drugged to church Wednesday night. I was drugged to church for every, everything under the sun, right? It was because the it was because the idea of faith and what God is doing all centered around the church, but to come in and to say, look, I only want you to spend one hour a week at the church. Like I know it's important that we're going to have times to meet and we need to meet, and that's important. But it communicates this whole idea that God's big mission, His kingdom, is going to be accomplished not within the walls of the church, but without. 
And as we talked about in this whole series leading up to this, this idea of a life on mission, we want to change the address of our church. It's no longer 274 Mallory Station Road, but it's your address. It's your workplace. That is where the church is. And the question is, how many times have you driven past the needs of others, driven past the whole world God wants to save in your hurry to get to church on time. And this teaching comes out, this idea of leaving the clubhouse, leaving our comfort zones, comes out in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. It comes out in this rule we talk about, the golden rule, do unto others. Do you see how profoundly like uh, uh, expressive and outward facing that is, right? It doesn't say, don't do to others what you don't want them have to do to you. No, it's, it's do, and to do, you must go and do. You must go and be. I love the story. Your very own uh, uh, children's minister, David Gallagher, children's family minister here at Aspen Grove, uh, we were passing out names that GraceWorks had given us of, of people to visit, and uh, he said, well, I'll, I'll take my girlfriend. We'll go visit. We'll go visit one. Give us a name. And the, and the name and the address he got was two doors from where he lives. And when Jesus in Mark chapter 12 is asked, what's the most important commandment? He quotes the Shema, this great teaching from, from Scripture. It says, love, the, love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And second commandment is equal to the first. The second is equal to the first. You remember what it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And our neighbors don't live next door to this building. And so if we are to love them, if we are to do unto them, we must go, we must leave the clubhouse, and we're going to create more and more space for you to do that. Finally, the last lesson, maybe the last teaching, is just to remind you again what our mission is. Uh, A long time ago, even all the way back in your Bible, if you look in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, God gives Abraham this very uh, important promise, but also commission. In Genesis chapter 12, in verses 2 and 3, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And I want to just remind you that the job of the church is to bless. Our job is to bless. That was Abraham's job, and now it's our job also. Do you think this small church made a difference in our community last Sunday? Can a small church make a difference? Can a small church bless Franklin or Brentwood or Nashville? Absolutely. Finally, I want to tell you the last story. Uh, So we went with uh, Jennifer Vaughn and their girls, and they loaded into our car. And so this is something my wife and I, we actually have a lot, we've had a lot of experience of serving poor, homeless, or low-income families or, you know, Uh, every color, dark or light. I mean, that's kind of been our whole, we've done ministry a ton. We've done homeless nights and we've slept in cardboard boxes and we've slept in inner cities and we've, we've done this a lot. And, and so the, the anxiousness, the nervousness that some of you felt mostly for us, it feels like adrenaline. It feels really exciting. 
because we've seen God show up in so many different ways and locations. And so uh, it was fun to, to bring Jennifer with us, who was scared to death. No offense. I love you. And she was sitting in the, yeah, she was sitting in the chair like, I don't know what we're going to do. And uh, so uh, there's another interesting part of this. You know how, how comfortable and how easily your kids did this? Did any of you need, witness this? They didn't feel any of your tension, that tension and anxiety. That's all learned behavior. Your kids, your kids recognize this as a good thing pretty, pretty instantly. Uh, and maybe that's that childlike faith that Jesus talks about. So we loaded up with the, with the lunches that were left over. I don't know how many. We had 10 or 11 lunches, and we just took off driving. And, and uh, my wife would say, well, there's a person. I said, no, they don't look homely and hungry enough. Let's find another one. And they um, were very sensitive, very sensitive. And uh, we went over into kind of the deeper part of Franklin. And, and I don't know if you know, but everybody thinks that Franklin is super wealthy. But just a few blocks off that square is low-income housing. And the, there's special school districts and all kinds. Of, they have all kinds of issues. And so we kind of went over in there, and we saw that they, there were some habitat houses that had been built there. And so we, we just started kind of moving in, and we, we ran up on a... Um, uh, a woman and uh, her grandson that were getting into a car. And so it's easy to talk to people when they're already outside. We didn't just knock on the door and said, hey, are, are, are you hungry? Our church is passing out lunches. We'd love to, love to have, give you one. And she said, no, I'm taking my grandson to, to church right now. And so I said, well, you know, we know this great church. Um, never mind. Um, and uh, it, it's funny, though, how full people don't know anyone who's hungry but someone who's hungry always knows someone else who's hungry. Did you have this experience? And she said, you know, we're, we're okay, but, you know, my daughter who lives right here, she could really use a lunch. And so we went and knocked on her door and gave her a lunch, and then she immediately said, no, you know, our neighbors right here, they have all these kids. They could really use a lunch. And we had this really, you never know the experience you're going to have, but I knocked on the door, and I hear, come in, and I'm thinking, no. <laughs> No, you don't know. There's a white, there's a tall white guy. He's kind of scary sitting here. And he's got, by this time I had Cannon and our kids. And, and so I knock again and they say, come in. And I'm thinking, okay, fine. Uh, and so I just kind of open the door and there's this, I mean, this apartment, it's maybe 800 square feet max. And there's like 15 people. There's kids all over in every stage of dress and undress. And uh, I mean, just on top of each other. And um, I say, hey, we brought lunch today. Who's hungry? And they're like, there's a white guy in our house. And, um, <laughs> but I had cannon, so it kind of diffuses stuff. Um, they're really confused. Um, but uh, it was fun to just hand them some few lunches and to, you know, everyone got a lunch and all the kids got their own lunch. And that was, that was just kind of a special blessing that came out of nowhere. And uh, they said, you know, there's this other family that they have kids and they, they're hungry too. And so we drove around, and uh, there were some kids outside, and uh, um, asked them if they w wanted some lunches, and they did the right thing. Said, "Well, let me ask our grandmother." And um, their grandmother came out, this this sweet woman uh, named Caroline. And uh, Caroline just, I walked up to her, and she just began to tell us her, her story of she has 16 grandkids. She was taking care of four of them by herself. She's in her 70s, had four kids, and uh, one of her sons was there. Uh, just began to tell her, tell us this incredible story. And while she's telling me her story, our kids and their kids start playing and passing out lunches. And suddenly they just know what to do as it comes together. And um, um, 
Caroline's son, a, a grown man named JT, comes out, and he, he mentions, yeah, I go to church, and he mentions another pastor who I know in the area. I was like, yes, I know that guy. He's worthless. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And I'm so glad, you know, made that connection, and I texted my friend and told him, hey, I met your guy JT today, and uh, so we, we helped build that connection. So glad our ministries are overlapping, and while all this is happening, I, I begin this conversation with this woman named Caroline, and uh, uh, I just talked to her about her life, and it, I mean, it's just this, it's just a horror story. It's just been a train wreck from start to finish, and it's just one sorrow after another, and I just put my arm around her, and uh, I ask her, um, I ask her if she was going to a church, or if she had a church family that was taking care of her and praying for her, and uh, and uh, you got to understand, I I have had a lot of experience with inner city and low income, and and uh, Hispanics and African Americans, and so when I get kind of into these neighborhoods, it's really easy for me to just kind of slip back into their language and that that kind of you know they just have their own kind of vibe thing going on. And I'm talking to Caroline, and I'm feeling this 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 sounds very familiar, and I'm slipping back into this familiar place. And I asked her, I said, "Well, do you have a do you have a church family? Is is someone praying for you, caring for you?" And she said, "No, I'm not." I'm not going to church. I haven't been to church. I used to go, but I'm just not going right now. And I look her dead in the eye and just tell her, um, Caroline, why don't you just get right? And she just belly laughs out loud because you, got, you don't understand, but she understood that language. Does that make sense? I know we don't talk that way, but she instantly understood and gave me a chance to just kind of pray over her and bless her. And uh, the last thing that, that I want to say is... Um, Maybe you just need to get right. In, 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 all of our, in all of our churchiness, in all of our Bible classes, in all of our small groups, in, in all of our stuff, have we missed what's really important. And so what's going to happen next is we're just going to enter into a time of, of communion, but also a time of response. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we definitely don't want you to feel uncomfortable. But for us, this is family time. And so we've set up tables around the room. We have three tables with the bread and the cup for communion. The bread represents the broken body of our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blood is the blood that he poured out uh, to forgive us of our sins. And so in just a moment, I want to say a prayer, and then people are going to get up and start to move to these tables, and we invite you to do that. But we also want to give you a chance to respond. And so um, it could be as simple as a husband and wife taking this time to reconcile. Uh, what greater communion could there be than that? To maybe you've been uh, just haven't been polite to each other this week, and you two just need to pray together and share communion and come back together under Christ. Or maybe you're having just horrible issues at work and and are stressed out to the max. Then we want a chance to pray with you, to to pray with you, to serve you if we can. And so, um, or maybe there's a, there's a family member that's been sick or hurting. We want to, we want to pray for you for that also. And so uh, if you do, if God has put it on your heart to respond, maybe to, to change your lenses or, or uh, you're just being overwhelmed with this, this, this calling by the Spirit to bless others, then I'm just going to move to this back corner with some of our leaders. And this isn't going to be a long time. We're not going to keep you forever. But we just wanted to create a space where we could pray for you if you need to respond and God's put it on your heart to respond, but also invite all of you to come to Christ to give yourself to him, to commune with him this morning. So let me say a prayer for us, and then uh, we'll enter into our communion time. Father God, I thank you so much for this day, for the lessons that, that you've taught us. I'm thankful so much for faithful folks like, like Emily, who just who risk it all to serve your kingdom. And God, that is, 
that is the example. That is what Scripture says. That is, that is the, the example we are to follow. And so, God, those, those parts in us that, that are selfish and, and uh, those parts in us that, that are always looking internally, what needs to be done, what work needs to be done in us to change that, Father God, I ask that you would move and make that happen. Help us to name our fears, to change our lenses, to, to recognize that your kingdom and the accomplishment of your mission in this world won't be done in this place within these four walls, but push us out into a place of blessing the city and let us do it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who came and bled and died so that we would have something to offer, so that we could offer the good news of forgiveness and hope and salvation to the entire world. And so, Father God, as we take this bread and as we drink this cup, we remember your son and his sacrifice so that we might have life and have it to the full. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everybody together says. So now I invite you to a time of communion. If God's put it on your heart to respond, I'll move to this corner in the back. After a few moments, our, our worship team will uh, close us out with a time of worship. Go ahead. <laughs>